for all your hard work. Of course, we've always thanked Brother Sam and Sister Lana for recording. But a lot of work, a lot of editing has been done. God bless you. Genesis 6 and verse 13. We're going to talk about old Noah. Old Noah. Genesis 6 and 13. If you're ready, just say, I'm ready. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. I want to preach to you for the next little bit on this subject. The winning pitch. The winning pitch. Are you ready? Let's pray together. Lord, one more time. Thank you for the worship. Thank you for the great word this morning, for all the Sunday school classes, for all the people that we've been able to honor today because they're honorable people. Now I just ask you today, Lord, to just bless us. Touch us, Lord. Lord, let me share this word exactly how you gave it to me, exactly how I feel it, with passion, with hope, that a great thing can be done. Lord, just ask you to anoint our ears and our minds, our hearts, to hear and understand and respond to what your word and your spirit is speaking to us today. We'll give you all the praise and all the honor, all the glory in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, we pray. If you believe it and receive it, say amen and worship him one more time with a great hand clap. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. The word pitch is not a strange word to our society. Uh, as you begin to look at it, there's a sales pitch. There's a sales pitch. Anybody ever get a sales call? Uh I get them all the time. I, I made the mistake the other day of ask, a, answering one that said uh, spam risk. And I thought I'd just have a little fun, change up my accent, pretend I couldn't understand them, and, you know, just sometimes I give them a hard time. I just answer it and say, hey, you want to buy a Kirby vacuum cleaner today? You know, just play their game, you know. So I have a little fun with that. But this said spam risk, and I answered the phone, and uh, it was a lady looking for a church. And I thought, Lord, I'm glad I answered that one right. And uh, sure enough, she's a local lady. But I thought she was fixing to put a pitch on me, a sales pitch or a sad pitch. or a, there's a, That's a pitch. Then there's a, a pitch that most of us are familiar with. It's in the sport of baseball. Everybody here, you wouldn't have to be very old to know what that is. And I began to look at a few things, and this is what stood out to me. As you begin to study uh, the game a little bit, pitchers a little bit, I, I don't like too many sports analogies, but here and there it's great. You find that there's some pretty incredible stuff. There was a guy uh, before my time, Sandy Koufax, uh, was a incredible picture a pitcher that was well known for his curveball. They said that he had what was called a six twelve curveball. 
and people that do building, construction, roof pitches, and that type of stuff would understand this type of a pitch a little bit. They said that as the ball approached the plate in the last six or eight feet, that it could move six inches in a 12-foot, a 12-inch span. I mean, it's coming in, it's just almost, almost turning. They say it was wickedly nasty, that he could throw it right at a person's head and it could come in and curve down and in, literally making men fall to their backside in fear of it being, of being hit, and it come across the plate as a strike. It's, it's, in, it's just incredible to watch. I want to I find some footage of Sandy Koufax. I'd heard of him before, obviously, but I want to see some of that. I, I used to watch a guy named Jose Quisenberry. Quisenberry, Jose wasn't his first name. It's close, though. Quisenberry would throw almost an underhanded pitch, and when he'd come off the mound, his knuckles would almost drag the ground, and the ball would actually come up. And batters always said the reason that they couldn't hit Quisenberry very well is because when the ball would rise, it would be between him and them. And a lot of times they could not distinguish where the ball was at instead of coming from the air. It was coming from directly in front of him and coming from the ground up instead of the sky down. And so it was an incredible uh, pitch that he had. There was another guy many of us would know by the name of Nolan Ryan that on more than a few occasions registered a 102-mile-per-hour fastball just right down the middle above the knees coming in at 102-plus miles per hour. That's a pretty incredible pitch. There's a guy named Phil Necro. Many of us would remember that. He had a pitch right across the middle of the plate that was 54 miles per hour. That was, that's peewee speed. Here's the problem. It wasn't spinning at all. It was a knuckleball. When it come in, it could move four or five inches coming in because the wind would cause the ball to, to jump and bounce around as it hit the laces. And so Phil Necro could sit there and strike folks out with a 54-mile-an-hour pitch that are major league baseball bat. What an incredible pitch. That's incredible. But I want to know what was the very best pitch ever. Through all of baseball history, everyone agrees, every historian, every pitcher, every Hall of Famer, they always agree to this. It depends on the batter. There are batters that learned how to hit that knuckleball. Batters learned how to hit that curveball. They learned how to get out ahead and even pull that 102-mile-an-hour fastball over the left field wall. They learned how to, to pick that up as Quisenberry would almost throw an underhanded pitch off the pitcher's mound. And that it was, uh, it's incredible. It just depends on who the batter is. And so there's really no good answer as the best or what they call it in the sports terminology, the most wicked pitch out there. And here is what they all agreed on. The best pitch is the winning pitch. It's the last one. That last out, that one that, 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 that he says, strike, and everybody can get their popcorn and go home. That's the best pitch. I want to talk to us a little bit in a spiritual way today, obviously about the winning pitch. And I want us to look at some of the reasons that God needed Noah, needed Noah, and had a plan for Noah's ministry. It, it's very deep, although when I tell you why he needed him, it's not going to seem so much, but it's a very deep reason Noah was needed because the world had become worldly. 
The world had become worldly. A wicked carnality had come across the people of the land. The whole earth had become infested with sinful nature. And God needed someone to work in the place of a man, a savior of sorts, one that could present a plan of salvation to its time. And here was Noah, Genesis 6 and 5 through 8. This is how it all started. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Jump down to verse 15. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, just so you know. The very smallest that could be. There's a little debate on a cubit of the time, whether it's 18 or 22 inches. There is some uh, uh, debate about it. But at the smallest, without any uh, stretch, that's 450 feet long. That's a football field and a half. The breadth of it, 50 cubits, or 75 feet. And the height of it, 30 cubits, or 45 Those are the minimum sizes. There's been a debate about all of that, but in any event, he said, I want you to make a big boat. Here's the other side of it. If you, if you want to see it as uh, a foot and 10 inches, here's, here's the argument about that. 525 feet long, 87 and a half feet wide, and 60 feet high. Here's what verse 16 says. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. So we got to imagine the Lord says, okay, I need you to just build this boat somewhere between 450 and 525 feet long. I need you to, to build this boat, and, and it needs to be this size. It needs to be this length, and it needs to be this weight, and it needs to be made out of a, a certain material. It needs to have a certain purpose. It took Noah about 100 years to, to build the ark. We've always preached and taught about 120. Most theologians agree that it took some 20 years to prepare. He had to make the tools that would make the boat. He had to gather all of the trees and all of the materials and particles that it would take. And most believe some 20 years would be about right. And this is how they come up with 120 years as it's written. And so God gave some very direct instructions. He gives the size. He gave what type of wood. Somebody remember the name? Go for wood. Go for wood as you begin to look at it in its history and in this setting and in, in the time of that uh, place. It was a type of cypress wood, not cypress, but akin to. And it, was, it didn't really have any natural enemies except a couple of different small types of bugs. There's no real credible enemy. One of the reasons was because it is a very dense wood and it has a whole lot of sap. It's a, it's a very thick 
wood. It's not appetizing to most creatures. Geologists say that gopher wood in the Cypress family, uh, that it became uh, incredible when it was placed over the heat. They said they used it for a lot of things when gopher wood is placed over the heat. Here's what happens. It becomes blackened. This process lightens up the wood a little bit, dries it out. But more importantly, it extracts all of the sap. You could put a log, you could lean it down and have a fire on one end and put a bucket under the tree, and in a little while you'll have sap dripping. Oh, we're fixing to preach right here. Y'all ready? So you take the sap and you take the coal from the outer edges burn, and that made pitch. That's modern-day asphalt. It's an oil. It's a petroleum base along with ash and coal, and it makes what's called pitch. It's, a, it's a, just basically a modern-day asphalt oil is what we would use it for. The Hebrew word for pitch is a covering. Oh, get ready now. A sealant. Watch this. Inside and out, according to those measurements, the boat would have this much surface, 229,500 square feet inside and out. I checked with Glidden, the paint company, to find out if I was painting 229,500 square feet of wall, how much paint would I need? I'd need 706,860 gallons for one coat. The Lord told him, he said, you pitch it inside and you pitch it outside. You cover it inside and out with pitch. I'm fixing to preach to you about the winning pitch. Inside and out, every detail is important. This is very important because it's a sealer. It, it makes it resistant to leaking, not only from the outside getting in, but from the inside things getting out. It's pitch inside and out. Every detail is important. But to be pitched, it means that we are protected and we are covered. And the Bible makes some comparisons throughout Scripture to Noah's Ark. But as far as the building of it and the timing of it, we've got to understand this one thing right here. If we've ever been sealed inside and out because we live in a very worldly, carnal, lustful society, we better have a sealer. We better have a winning pitch that protects us from inside. Oh, I'm going to preach right here. Just, just give me a moment. Watch this. You see, Noah done a lot of things in his life, I'm certain. But I can promise you when the Lord started speaking to him about building a boat, he didn't understand. He didn't understand why. And then when the Lord started telling him all the things he had to do, let me tell you what happened. For Noah to save his family, he had to first have a lifestyle change. He went from trying to make a living and trying to just do the best he could do in life and, and trying to go by to, to all of a sudden he's got one thing on his mind and that is getting a boat that's secure enough to save my family. You'll be with me in a minute. I want to tell you something, folks. The Lord has given us a pitch. 
He's given us the winning pitch. It's a protectant. It's called his blood. It comes through repentance. It comes through living right and true and pure and holy. He's given us a pitch that doesn't allow us to leak from the inside and doesn't allow the outside world to come to the inside. It'll demand a lifestyle change. It'll demand some hard work. It'll demand some things you don't understand. It'll demand doing some things that there doesn't seem to be reason for. But if you want to get your family through the flood of a messed up society, you will be willing to be pitched inside and out. Watch this right here. It's important that we don't allow the outside in. But what I think we may see more than anything, the enemy's tricks and, and all of these things that happen in our world, in our society, is I think it's equally important that what we have on the inside of us never leaks. Because here's what happens. In a world that challenges us every single day, that challenge what we believe, that challenge what we understand, that challenge our personal ideas and our personal revelation, what the enemy would like to do a lot of times is not just bring the whole world on you, but to allow some of your convictions to start leaking out of the only boat that's going to save you. Oh, you can't build a life-saving boat with a cursed material. If we're going to do it, folks, it's line upon line. Precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. We're going to have to recognize that to build a boat that's going to save our children and save our society, we can't start letting the things from inside slip out. And we can't start letting the outside slip in. We are a boat in and of ourselves. We're on a journey. We're on a journey to eternity to make it. We got to have the winning pitch. How do we get the winning pitch? We've got to allow ourselves to get on the flame and the sap began to run and be squeezed and God began to turn us into something that can seal up a ship that can take us through the floods and the storms of life. Somebody needs to hear me right now. He said to pitch every inch of it inside and out. Can you see old Noah in there up in the corner about the, about the 75th year with some kind of old horsehair brush or something trying to get a little pitch because he can see a little sunlight? I want to tell you something, folks. In the last day time, what the enemy would love more than anything would be for some people that others have looked at and grown by to begin to start letting their convictions go and let the ways and the looks and the actions of the world start seeping in one little bit at a time. And when you do that, it won't be long. Your boat and your family will start sinking. We got to have the winning pitch. We can't have pitch without fire. Where do we get fire? It's called Holy Ghost fire. We got to put ourselves, we got to expose ourselves to the fire. And we've got to allow anything that's on the inside to be squeezed out of us. And then God to take it and turn it into something that can be used to save our entire family. 
Somebody hear me right now. There's a reason to believe that the end times are upon us. There's a reason to believe that Jesus Christ is going to return. You know, we've been told all these all these years by many people, including myself, how people sat back and made fun of Noah for 120 years. You know, that's not true. I've searched the Bible from cover to cover, even, what, even what's said about it in 2 Peter. I find nowhere where anybody ever made fun of Noah. Then I don't see it. Now, can we assume it? Yeah, but we better not build our messages on what we assume. I can assume in the middle of an air, a desert and an arid plain that people would be saying, look at this fool. He's got 706,000 gallons of pitch. He's cut down trees as far as the eye can see, and he's building a boat, and it's never rained. I'm sure there were people that said that, and there's people that look at you and say, you've changed your whole lifestyle. You spent your day different. You've changed, you've rearranged everything about yourself. Where you come from, what you do. You got calluses where you didn't used to have calluses. You have to be a certain way you didn't used to be. You go places you didn't used to go. You haven't always been cutting down trees and building fires, but when you get in the church, there are some inherent changes that start coming over you, and we got to find ourselves pitched within and without if we expect to remain. People don't just wake up one morning and say, I am on backslide. I'm going to turn into an addict. I'm going to start looking like children of the night. What happens is it's a little here and a little there, and nobody notices and nobody says anything, and all of a sudden you don't have the winning pitch. I want the winning pitch singing in our choir. I want the winning pitch on every instrument. I want the winning pitch teaching our Sunday school children. I want the winning pitch in our youth class. I want the winning pitch behind the pulpit. If we can't make some changes to get to that place, we're not all that interested in winning or helping anybody else for that matter. Come on, somebody, I'm going to sound a little old-fashioned. Maybe I'm just doing a good vacation, but I'm going to tell you something. You can cover it up, but hell still sees there's a hole in your pitch. The outside starts creeping in as the inside starts creeping out. As conviction starts running, starts leaking. All of a sudden, the pressures of the world, the external pressures of the flood that hell has brought against the end-time church and saints of God, that pressurized cabin that we're in, all of a sudden, springs a leak. Why? Because we hadn't been on the fire. We have not allowed our tree, this flesh, this earthen vessel, to produce the pitch that wins. You see, it ain't all about just being filled. There's some things that have to be extracted from us too. See, everybody wants to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on, fill me, fill me, fill me. I'm not even making any fun. But never saying, 
I'm willing to do whatever it takes to be leak-proof in this society. Folks, I'm going to just tell you, you can straddle the fence and all you'll do is end up with a sore leg. Come on, that's all that's going to happen. Tore clothes, a messed up life. It's time to either get in the boat, get the Holy Ghost, or we're going to be left behind. And I don't mean just to be filled, but also these little bitty things that start creeping into our life, it's time for them to go. No, I don't want you to go anywhere. I want you to stay here and get it fixed. I'm going to tell you something. You can go in any direction, and in 15 minutes, you'll find a church that won't believe you need to be pitched. In any direction. But if there's one that feels like that the world doesn't need to be out and the good, clean spirit of the Lord in, that same one, y'all all sink together. what Matthew 24 says verse 37 but as the days of Noah it's not spelt the same it is the same translation as the days of Noah were so shall also the coming of son of man be for as in the days that were before the flood they were eating and drinking marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away so shall also the coming of the son of man be why is there a, a notification and a recognition of Noah? Because Jesus Christ said, I want you to know something. Before there's a return, the same process, the church is going to go through that. And what's it going to be like? It's going to be just like it was then. Everybody was having parties. They were eating and drinking and carrying on. They were having marriages. They were having baby dedications. They were having prayer meetings. They were doing whatever it is that society would allow them to do. And all of a sudden, the door closed. And when the door closed, time was up. I want some people to listen to me, especially some of our leaders right now. I'm a pastor for just a minute. Facebook Live, you need this too. You need to be in church if you can be. That's the first thing because that's a commandment. There's, not, there's more than ten. The Bible said when you can, that's talking about your health and such. It said forsake not the assembling of yourselves. That is not good church. That's a when you have to. There's people whose health can't, can't allow. I've been there myself. There's things that go on. I get it and I understand. But I'm going to tell you something. First thing we got to do is we got to get in the church. In the church, both spiritually and physically. Now, now, let me, Pastor, let me go right here. I've watched over the last two, three, four months. Oh, it ain't much. Just a little. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm not going to be on a boat that's sinking. So if we have to make some changes, the boat never changes. But the people have to make changes to get the boat to its final destination. Sister Beckham, it looks like I'm not going to be long. But I want to challenge you leaders. Hear me. You know what pitch is? Holiness. 
You know what pitch is? Separation. Pitch is peculiar. Pitch is blood from a mighty king whose name is Jesus. We can't let little old bitty piddly junk slip into our world with some frail excuse. Well, that ain't a big thing. That's not a big deal. In and of itself, it probably wouldn't send me to hell. It might not send you to hell. But I want to tell you something. It'll cause such a challenge for everybody else. Nobody will know what's right. Pick some things up, get some things off, or wait until you're on the fire again. I'm doing my best to help you right now. Listen to me. Maybe you've never been in leadership. You're not called to anything but to be a saint of God. And that's a wonderful thing. That's a high calling and to be a praiser. But I'm going to tell you, if you want your family saved, if you want the next generation saved, you remember what I said about that gopher wood, that cypress wood? There was only a couple of small bugs known in history to be its natural adversary. And I'm going to tell you, there ain't nobody in this building that's going to walk out today and all of a sudden be tempted to go commit mass murder. But I'll tell you what will happen. It'll be just a little bug nibbling away until your pitch is gone. I don't need to be in a boat that's taking on water. You don't need to be in a boat that's taking on water. Well, what do we all do? You fix the leak. I don't understand. Noah didn't either. I don't know why. Noah didn't either. Well, they're not doing that. Noah's neighbors weren't either. But when God needed a Savior, he called a man named Noah, and he said, you change what you have to change, you fix what you have to fix, and you put a protecting coat of pitch on this boat. I don't care how big the ship gets. If it ain't pitched, it's a social club. Folks, the Lord didn't ever call me to pastor a social club. He didn't call me to, to, to be ugly and mean and demanding either. But I want to tell you this. He called me to warn you. If you're here today, it's intentional. tell you something folks now I'm, I'm, I'm going to just put a disclaimer out there brother Rodney Fuller told me one time he said don't put too many disclaimers out you disclaim the whole message we were just in a, in a conversation it's cool now, I don't care who your favorite preacher and televangelist is or, or what your home church is or who you watch who you listen to it doesn't matter and what they do if it works it works but when you see me in Bermuda shorts on a bar stool with a big full Moses beard a wife beater and flip flops, you know. I don't care how big the boat is, how many people we've gathered up to see such an amusement, we're sinking. So, you mean how a person looks matters? Well, you tell me. If I'd have showed up to preach today in my swim trunks, would you have stayed?
That's a legitimate question. Because sometimes some of us show up in our swim trunks. Oh, I hope you can see deeper than what I'm saying right here. I hope you're wise enough to pick up what I'm putting down. For those of you that are pitched, here's what I'm telling you. You're going to go through the storm, and it ain't going to be no problem, and you're going to land on the highest mountain known to humanity. To the rest of us, we're going to sink with all the rest of the cursed world. Oh, that didn't. I'm done, Sister Beckham. Come on. Jesus Christ is coming. And he said he's coming after a bride without spot or wrinkle. He wasn't talking about a birth, a birthmark or an aging wrinkle either. He was talking spiritually. Uh, I've heard people say, I didn't even notice her. Didn't even notice him. How come? Well, last time I saw him. Either it's right now and right then or it's wrong now and it was wrong then. Come on. Folks, the Lord's not going to just start allowing us to, to leak a little here and there and, and stay on the, the highway to heaven. We're going to have to catch an emergency shoulder at some point and put some pitch on this thing. I don't have good Bible for it. Noah didn't either, but he had a good communion. I, I meet with folks lots of times, and y'all know I've been in a Bible study with Tony and Mary, and they've never asked this question, so I can go ahead and exclude them. So I've talked to a lot of folks just in the last little while and said, Pastor, do you really feel like that's a heaven or hell issue? Probably because it's bothering you. But the other side of that is, is if we don't care anymore about our family, that everything we do is on the razor's edge of hell. Come on. Well, that's not heaven or hell issue, is it? It's probably not. But I'm going to bet the reason you're questioning it is I love to see people grow. I'm going to tell you something. It breaks my heart to see people that God pulled from ungodly situations, barnyard lifestyles, hitched up and hooked up to the world, come in and so beautifully baptized you with the Holy Ghost and delivered you from worldly ways. And because you quit praying, because you quit putting yourself on the fire, because you quit bowing a knee, your pitch is leaking. We got to have a winning pitch, folks. We got to have a nasty curveball when hell comes, he can't hit. We got to have a knuckleball that hell can't even find. We got to have something that's coming from low to high that the enemy says, I don't know where that came from, but I can't hit that pitch. He'll go find a better ship to search for. He'll go find an easier target. Here's the, here's the reasons why a lot of times we lose our pitch. It's because the survey says 85% of the people that will ever walk into a Christian church, period, broad, 
broad scale. Christian church, 85% of the people that walk in will walk in in a problem or a tragedy. 85%. That means 15% come because someone invited them. Life was okay. They came and said, hey, I like what I feel. Continued to come and the Lord touched them, saved them. Rest of the story. Other people are like the Lord is staples or whoever, the easy button. I've been there. That's when you ought to come to the Lord when you got problems. No doubt about it. But you ought not start leaking as soon as he fixes them. The same thing that got you through the problem will keep you from hitting it again. My family's in turmoil. Put this flesh on the fire of the Holy Ghost and let God take what's on the inside and turn it into a weapon and protect you with it inside and out. Come on. We're made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the words of our testimony. Can you still testify that he delivered you from worldly ways, from a worldly tongue, from a worldly look, from a worldly walk? Can you still testify to that? Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Hear me. You're going to be marrying. Going to be having children. Going to be going to school. Going to be getting degrees. Got some high school graduates we're going to honor too. It's going to be wonderful. Wonderful. Life's just going to be going along. And all of a sudden, the door is going to close. Well, we'll see the rain coming. We'll know the flood. No. He's not going to give a warning before the main blast. All you got to do is turn on a radio, turn on television, open a newspaper, look at a news feed, and you can see the first blast. The winning pitch is going to be that pitch that from the inside everything's covered. I want to present to you that if he'd have built it the right height, the right length, and the right width, It could have sat there and it could have looked beautiful. He could have even fired the logs. I want to tell you something. He'd spend 20 years gathering all that. But if Glidden's close, he needed 706,000 gallons of tree sap and coal to make pitch. He could have done everything else and wasted 120 years of his life. But if it's not pitched, it's just for looks. It's just to say I can build a ship in the middle of a desert. I want to challenge you, sinner. I want to challenge you, saint of God. I'm going to double and triple and quadruple challenge you, leader. I hate like everything to have to go to one person and them feel like they're singled out about things. But I want you to check yourself. Because if you're going to lead, we can't see daylight between you and the Lord. Well, 
You know, I would have gave, when I knew the Lord called me to, to, to preach, I let them saw off one of my legs to get behind the pulpit. Would I still? All I ever wanted to do was teach the kids. All I ever wanted to do was just be a part of some great ministry. All I ever wanted to do is sing in the choir. All I wanted to do is play the keyboard and the drums and the bass and the guitar. That's all I ever really wanted to do. But let me ask you this. When the people that are following you can see the world when they look at you, you ain't pitched. There's all kinds of excuses. But there's no real reasons because I remember most of you, when you came to the Lord for the first time, you'd have sacrificed anything to feel the peace that you've so easily let slip away. Now you're looking for it in other places. Looking for it in a bottle. Looking for it in a mirror. Looking for it at Maybelline. Looking for it here and there. You ain't going to find it. Because at night you see you. When you lay in bed at night, you deal with you. So one thing you'll never escape. Somebody told me one time, Pastor, I'm going to find me another place to go to church. And they started explaining their reasons. I said, the problem is when you get there, you'll still be there. So I want us to stand. I'm going to challenge you. Sin's fun for a season. It's enjoyable for a little while. But hell is eternal. Now let me now let me reverse that for us. Sin's fun for a little while. And the devil gets those little giggles for a little while. But heaven, I'm out of his reach. When I've got the perfect pitch, he can't hit me. He can't cause me to start leaking. He can't bring the outside in and the inside out. I've got the right seal. I'll say this one more time as singers are coming. If you want to be sealed, if you want to be sealed inside out and outside in, you do that by getting on the fire. Paul told the Corinthian church, he said, there's no new sin only reason people fall is what's common. Folks, we've only got a couple natural enemies in this world. And that's the, that's the devil himself and his angels. But once we've been hardened in the fire and pitched through the sap, those little old natural enemies, they don't have nothing. So is there anybody to take this as a promise. You're going to make it because you know you're pitched in and out. You'd like to just come to the altar and rejoice. And then there may be some others that say, boy, I need to get back to that altar. I need to get back on that fire. Come on. A little here and a little there after a while carries weight. And then we don't resemble. We don't respond. We're no longer the boat that saves the world or just another boat come on I'm inviting you it's going to take some world changing moves it's going, to, it's going to take some things you don't understand it's going to take some things that are not scripturally clear but your conversation with God will settle that
prayer time and conviction will help you build the right pitch. Well, is it all what you can see? Oh, no. No. There was more pitch put on the inside of the boat than the outside of the boat because he had to pitch every floor. It's more important that we're 100% real on the inside than it is to show up with some great look. Come on. Come on. The first step is to get back on the fire of the altar. Become a hardened wood, a floating wood that God can take the things that we didn't need on the inside. Create an addition as a testimony and say this is who it used to be. Now the testimony is what keeps them sailing. It's what keeps them from sinking where they used to be. Come on, would anybody come get on the fire? Would anybody just lift your hands towards heaven and say, God, I need you now. I need you. Come on, Life Point Church. I'm inviting you. I'm challenging you. Whatever it is you were ever willing to do, where's it at now? Jesus, it's you. Jesus, it's you. The wonder work you got. The wonder.